highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And with Absalom, notice, went 200 men, notice, invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. And these men would be willing because he was the heir apparent. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Absalom wisely knew that he needed others to endorse, or at least to appear to endorse, his government. He counted on these 200 men who were not against David to at least be silent and therefore give the impression that they were for Absalom. When the innocent and unknowing are among the divisive, their silence is always received as agreement. Absalom begins to build his empire to take over his father's throne. However, we will see in future studies that God protects David's empire. Psalm 46 says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. He doesn't want to see you continuing to wallow in your misery because sin is misery. You know how long it was from the moment that David did those sins? You know, the murder and the adultery and before God finally broke his heart? It was a year. It was one year that David was walking around, and he records for us in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, I believe it is. He records for us that he, it's like everything was drying up on the inside. He knew he was guilty, and, 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 and he was just trying to cover it up. He didn't want anybody to know about it, but inside it was like a cancer eating him away little by little. And he, he, he said, I, I can, it's like I'm just drying up like a pot shirt. I'm just drying up on the inside. And I've got no confidence. I've got no, and, and I believe that was the, one of the worst moments of his life. And boy, there's something so wonderful when we can just go to God and we can pour out and confess before him. You don't need to go to a priest. Believe me, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, he is the intermediary. He is the one that we go to. I mean, the Bible does also say you can go to a friend and confess your faults to one another. There's nothing wrong with that if you trust them. But we can go to God because when we sin, we sin against him. We don't sin against each other necessarily, although we do that too, don't we? Isn't life wonderful? (laughs) So David here is smarting from his own sin. So let's pick up in verse 10 of chapter 15. So here we see Absalom... Again, David, having done nothing, being a not such a great example of a parent to his sons, 
especially after his sin. It's almost like he just checked out as a parent. And parents, we can't check out. Even if your son or your daughter or whoever it is, that young person in your life, even if they do the same sin and they know that you've done the same sin, you can't just act like nothing has happened. You've got to be that source of comfort for them. You've got to be that source of that, 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 that governor in their life, that one that, that they can confide in, the one that they can trust, the one that you can tell the truth even when it hurts. Just because you've, you've stepped in the same thing that your son or daughter stepped in doesn't, give you the, doesn't mean that you can just check out and say, well, I, really, I can't speak any truth to you because I'm guilty of the same thing. No. The devil loves to get you in that place for saying, because you did the same thing, you really can't speak. And you know what I say to that? Tough. You speak. You speak. You have to speak. Speak to your kids. Speak to each other. Be honest with one another. Don't, let, don't lower the bar because you've messed up too. And that, see, that's a problem what happened with David, I believe. Because of his sin, he, in his own heart, he just lost all credibility. And because Absalom had killed now Amnon, even though Amnon deserved to die, to be honest with you, so did David. But, but Absalom had no right to kill Amnon. He deserved death as well for killing. It didn't go through the right channels. That's why we have a, a, a process. Is it still available in our country, a legal process? My mother was a bailiff in the Lee County Sheriff's Department. She's retired now, so I can say the name. But she would tell me how often she heard cases year after year and and they were guilty as anything else, and they got away on a technicality, or they, 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 they were brought to justice. And through the process of, of cross-examination and all these different things, they found, and the jury came back and says, you are guilty of this crime. The DNA points to you. The, the fingerprints, it's all over the gun. It's all over the knife. Your DNA was at the crime scene. And somebody even saw you do it. They captured it on on an iPhone and uploaded it to TikTok. Busted. (laughs) Right? Verse 10. It says, Then Absalom, notice, sent spies through all the tribes. And and here Absalom is just stealing the hearts of the people. He knows that his father's not doing anything, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gate. The gate was the place where they did commerce. Around every guarded city, there would be the gate. And the gate would wear was where the judges would meet, where they would do commerce and business. And so what Absalom would do is he would set out a little further from the gate, and as people were coming into the city that had a lawsuit, he was there to help them. What a benevolent guy he is. Just willing to help his dad out. What a great son. Such a wonderful young man. I'm so proud of Absalom, you know. Just helping me out so much like that. And all the while, there was war in his heart. He wanted to overthrow his father angry at his dad. Maybe angry because he did nothing when Amnon raped his sister. Maybe he's thinking to himself, he's not fit to be king. But me, on the other hand, Absalom would say to himself, I think I'd make a pretty good king. Yes, majesty sounds good. I like that. I like the way it rings. So so now he seeks 
to win the hearts. And he's winning the hearts of, of the men of Israel. Absalom sent spies through all the tribes, verse 10, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And um, it's interesting here that Absalom doesn't perform his treachery in the capital at Jerusalem. He goes to Hebron, not too far away. But this is where David first reigned, remember, for seven years when he just reigned over Judah. And this is where also Absalom and his five other brothers were born in Hebron, the same exact place. And at Hebron, he could get a following away from the eye of his father and those in Jerusalem. And, he would, um, and then he would go to Jerusalem after he got his following and he would seek to overthrow his father. And um, remember, David at this time, he's getting older. And Amnon and Chiliab, or Kiliab, or Daniel is his name, uh, the second born of David. Both of these men had died. Uh, Chiliab died when, probably when he was real young, but Amnon had died from the hand of Absalom. So now Absalom is the heir apparent. It seems that he should be the one to reign on the throne, and he thinks that too. And, so, and with Absalom, notice, went 200 men, notice, invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. And these men would be willing because he was the heir apparent. David, for some reason, didn't propagate the idea that his son, who was already born at this time, Solomon, but very young, he, didn't, he evidently didn't propagate the, the, the idea, the thought that Absalom would be, or I'm sorry, that Solomon would be the one to take his place. Because had he done that, then all of this subterfuge probably wouldn't happen. Actually, it probably would have because that's the way it is, isn't it? But it seemed to be not very widely known. But these men, they were invited to go with him. They were completely clueless of the motivation of Absalom. They're thinking, hey, you're the king's, you're the next one in line for the throne. We're going to be behind you. David's getting old, and everybody loves you, Absalom. And you, you got that beautiful, flowing, blonde hair. you gorgeous guy. I mean, he was. He's a handsome fellow. The Bible tells us that. In fact, he cut his hair every year. It was like five pounds. He, he, gloried, he gloried in the fact that, you know, he got out that little scale you see at Wegmans in the, um, in the bulk area, and he put his hair in a bag and tied a little green thing around it and weighed it and punched in the code. <gasps> five pounds! How much is that worth? I can sell that to Sotheby's or uh, whatever. So anyway, a really attractive man. And unfortunately, isn't it true that people look at a leader, they very, they very seldomly look at the character of the person. But if he's tall, dark, and handsome and drives a fast car, we'll vote for him. Can he speak well? Is he a great speaker? Does he dress well? Can he look right at the camera and say, I love you? And all the women, just like, you know, in... Uh, and Ed Sullivan's show back in the 60s, you know, and the Beatles came on. Ah! They're losing their, you know, pulling their hair out. You know, Absalom was that kind of guy. But I digress. Let's get back to the Scripture. Thank you, Lord. But they were willing to go because he was the heir apparent, but they had no idea of his motives. You know what Jer- it says in Jeremiah chapter 17? Verse 9, it says, The heart is, dece- is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you find that you know that about yourself, that, you are a, uh, that your heart is desperately wicked? 
I have found that in my own heart. In fact, that's one of the reasons I came to Christ, is I, I was confronted with this evil heart of mine, and I had to come to terms with it. Because I'm, I'm a, I sin because I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I sin, but I sin because I was born a sinner. I was born. It's in my DNA. And that's why the Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. Certainly you were born by your mother and, and all that, and she carried you for nine months. But when you came out, you were a rotten sinner when you came out. <laughs> it doesn't look that way. You know, my daughter was born. You know, she, she comes out, and I cut the cord, and, you, and after they wipe her down and everything, you're like, oh, she's so beautiful, and she is. And, you know, you're, you're just thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, this little sinner is going to break my heart. <laughs> you know, but we are. And until we come to terms with that and come into agreement with God over that, then there's really no reason to be saved then, isn't there? I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Why? Because I'm hopeless in my sin. I was destined for hell, and yet God placed his spirit within me just by believing in him. And then he says, I secure you. Aren't you glad? Do you know you have the assurance of salvation? The Bible teaches that, by the way. Why is that? Because God doesn't make a mistake. When he takes up residence in your heart, when you ask him into your heart, it is a done deal as far as God is concerned. Now it's just a question of day-by-day sanctification. And what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3? This is the will of God, your sanctification. That's a process. That means setting you apart from the world and the things of the world. And that takes a process it takes time to, to prepare us, to get the world out of us, to rid us of the flesh, so that by the time we're in our 80s or sometime, we're not going to be perfect yet. <laughs> we're not going to be perfect, but we'll be closer if we're really walking with the Lord. But the heart, above all things, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And God answers his own question. He says, I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So Absalom here, he's counting on the fact that those around him would willingly go without question because he was David's son and the heir apparent. In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3, it says this, Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. And I can say amen to that. It's not something that people like to talk about, but it's the truth. It is the truth. That's what the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no, not one that is good. That's why Jesus said to a very religious man, Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not even a question of, is it a good idea or not? No, it's, it, whether you think it's a good idea or not is irrelevant. The, the, the fact of the matter is, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. The Spirit of God taking up residence in this old nature of mine, suppressing that old nature, sort of standing on it like a lid. You know, it's like the Holy Spirit standing on a lid of that old nature. And isn't it crazy that sometimes even as Christians we have this ability to kind of lean a little bit to the side and allow some of that to kind of ooze away, the old nature coming out again. We have that ability to just kind of slide over and just let it come out. Ah. And you lift up the lid a little bit, and what happens? We get a taste of that old nature, and it's still in with it. And Paul even said, 
there's these two things warring in my soul. One thirsts for righteousness and the other does not. And he goes, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. And he knows that it was God, the Spirit of God, always being that governor, that one who would suppress that old nature. I don't want my old nature to express itself. I had plenty of time in the world, haven't you? And yet our flesh, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, and there's the kicker. (laughs) It's pleasurable for a season. There's no lie about that. But ah, the bill to pay after you have sinned. And sometimes the bill is very high. Because how can you restore the trust, guys, when you've cheated on your wife? How can you restore that trust? Does it, does it happen overnight? Does it happen in a week? Doesn't it take months, sometimes even years, for her to trust you again, and yet you've, you've allowed that thing? And the devil says, oh, this is an opportunity you'll never get again. You better do it. And the Lord's going, don't you dare. It could happen to women, too against their husbands. You get some fancy guy like Absalom coming up who treats you the way that your husband used to treat you when you were first married and now 35 years have gone. He doesn't look at you the same way, perhaps. And an Absalom comes up with a flowing hair who just thinks you're really something. And ladies, you better be careful. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness, notice, is in their hearts. Just like what we're seeing in Absalom's life, madness is in their hearts while, while they live and after that they go, after that they go to the dead. They go to the grave. They go to Hades or they go to Sheol, the abode of the dead. And it's interesting that as he's taking these in, in, invited men from Jerusalem, Absalom in his heart, he had orchestrated this plot and perhaps had been refining it in his heart for some time. We know that year, a few years went by, so he's had plenty of time to hatch this plan. And there's nothing worse than a person, you know, you can understand a person who's impetuous and in the moment of a, of a passionate moment, you know, they, they hear about something, they act out in, in a rash kind of behavior. That I can understand. But for someone to be calculating and waiting and just waiting, patiently waiting for the right moment, an opportunist, waiting for the right moment to spring and all the while composing in their head this evil plot, that's Absalom. Verse 12, it says, Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, which he offered sacrifice, while he offered sacrifices, excuse me, and the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Now, this man, Ahithophel, um, it says that his advice... Uh, his advice that he gave in, the, in, in those days was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. And so was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. We'll read about that in the next chapter. Um, and this Ahithophel was the grandfather of guess who? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 3, it says... Uh, So David sent, when he had the affair with uh, Bathsheba, 
he sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said to him, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And then in chapter 23 of this book, it says, Eliphalet, the son of Ahazbei, the son of Maacathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilonite. So we see the family line here. So Amiel was her father, but her grandfather of Bathsheba was Ahithophel. And this would mean that, obviously, that she, he, he was the grandfather. And he certainly had motive, didn't he, to be angry with David? And yet he was David's counselor. He was one of the men that was highly esteemed. David looked up to him. And all the while, this man was just probably waiting for an opportunity to just see the cards come crashing down on David, waiting. And this was such a great opportunity because now Absalom, so cunning and so calculating, he waited and waited and waited. Now he's like... Ahithophel, I want to talk to you for a minute. I want to go take out David. This is how we're going to do it, and I need you to be on my side. And and certainly Ahithophel is thinking to himself, you know what, I'm with you all the way, buddy. He killed my son-in-law. Now my, my daughter, my granddaughter, the firstborn son from her dies. He's got every motive in the world to be angry. In fact, in Psalm 41, David would write about this time in his life as he is going through this. And I love what he says in Psalm 41. You might want to write just Psalm 41 and maybe Psalm 55 off in the margin of your Bible because if you read those two Psalms in connection with this chapter around Ahithophel, it'll make a lot of sense because in Psalm 41 verse 9, Uh, David goes on, he says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. We believe that he's speaking of Ahithophel, this counselor of his, this good friend. And in Psalm 55 it says, For it was not an enemy, and this is in verse 12, For it is not an enemy who reproached me, then I could bear it. Nor is it the one who hated me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, My companion and my acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. And as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray, and I cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me, and God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old. And because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. And he has put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. Boy, this sounds a lot like not only Absalom, but certainly Ahithophel. Absalom being David's own son, and then Ahithophel being a, uh, a very respected, highly respected man. Verse 13, it says, Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And David either ignored this fact or he was completely unaware of it. We don't really know. But again, he was in this kind of what I would call a despondent state, not really being a good father, just kind of checking out. Just, you know, the the Lord was healing him and he was just so wrapped up in his own thing that he just let the whole thing slide. He, he probably, if he did know that Absalom was stealing the hearts of the men of the city, he just, he's like, well, you know, whatever. 
but maybe he didn't know at all. We really don't know. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.